Before we get into our conversation, we do want to give a trigger warning about this episode. This episode does contain discussions about grief, loss, mental health, and suicidal tendencies. You're listening to The Take Back Podcast, where women of color creatives come together to inspire, empower, and encourage each other. I'm Jess Pillay, an Indo-Fijian independent singer-songwriter. And I'm Angelica Dianda, a Mexican-American licensed mental health counselor and singer. And this is the podcast where we explore and elevate stories from women of color who are artists, musicians, actors, entrepreneurs, and so on, who are navigating and taking back systems designed against them. Welcome back to the Take Back Podcast. I am Jess Pillay, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my co-host, Angelica DeAnda. And in the last episode, for those of you who had a chance to listen to that, we started to do a bit of a deep dive into Angelica's story. And we're going to be doing more of that in this episode, talking more about who she is and how she became the amazing person that she is. So you're ready to kind of continue this conversation? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. So at some point, you know, right after graduation or kind of leading up to graduation, I remember you came to me and you said, can you write me a letter of recommendation and can you read my graduate school application? I've decided I'm going to go into mental health. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. But what was it about that point in your life where you said, "Okay, I have a music degree but I don't think this is actually what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I do have a clear sense of this other thing right. that I want to do. What led you to that? Yeah. So, um, you know, with everything, with the question, there's a story behind the story, right? right? I would backtrack. That journey started around, I would say, 2008. In 2008, there was a lot of different events that had hit at once um, within a year span. A lot of it revolved around a lot of people's mental health, uh, my own and people that I love and care in my life. Um, so I was an RA for my junior a resident, and, assistant, uh, resident for assistant for people that don't know what that is. So basically what that means is I lived in the dorms and I was kind of like the lead, the, the go-to person for the floor that I lived on. And you had your own room, which means I would come crash on your That's couch right. a lot. <laughs> and I got a discount you did. in housing. So there, there you go. So, you know, I went in that not knowing that being in people's lives, you see the good moments and you saw the hard and the ugly moments. And so I had a lot of residents that were going through their own mental health struggles and I got a firsthand witness that and be there and support people. But, you know, and there I was four hours away from home and there was a lot of things that was going on back with my family during that time, which my maternal grandfather passed away. Now my abuelo, he was such a, strong pillar of the family. He was the man of faith, the glue. He was the person that when you interact with him, he was so good at letting you feel seen and known and cared for. And when he passed, it was such 
a huge loss for my family. And we didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, he, when he died, he was in his 80s. So I know he lived a you know long life, but it still was hard to lose him. And especially in our kinds of families where the whole extended family even is very important. It's not just about our immediate family. Right. So those kinds of losses right. hit our cultures in a different way it, than they might. It really know, does. It really does. And in fact, I mean, it's sad to admit this, but once the glue was gone, everything's dispersed. Mm-hmm. Unraveled. Completely yeah. unraveled. And even to this day, we're still dealing with the wake of um, that loss. Yeah. Like I said, it was just the beginning season for grief and loss with my family. And then walking with my husband in the fall of 2008, when his mom very suddenly passed away and seeing his mental health be impacted by that. Then just like the icing of the cake was having one of my cousins who a year after my grandfather had passed away, commit suicide Mm. and dealing with that wake. And here I was trying to grapple all of that in a year window, just so much loss, so much pain, so much grief. And we were young at that point. And this we, were like young. we were in our 20s. Yeah. We were not even 21. Yeah. You know, um, in that year, I've lived so much life that most people in their 40s or 50s had not mm-hmm. even experienced. I had gone through my my husband and I, you know, we were dating at the time. We had gone through so much that so much life in that short amount of time that most married couples that had been married for 10, 15, 20 years hadn't even navigated. And we had only been dating for like a year. I was just lost and I was angry and I was hurt and I was upset with God. And in searching, I I knew that music up to that point, I knew music was not a career in a church as a worship leader was not the path. I just, I could feel that in myself. So of course I'm like, shit, hmm. I'm about to graduate and I don't know what I want to do. And I knew that I liked people. And I knew mm. that I loved being with people. And one day I was in my dorm room and I had packed away my student study Bible. It was so cheesy, but um, a Bible that was given to me when I was in middle school by my parents. And in the Bible, they had like little like little journal prompts. And mm-hmm. one of the prompts, and the question was like, what do you want to do when you're older? And there I have in my little like 11 year old handwriting, I want to help people. I want to mm. be a counselor. And I saw that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I knew back then at such a young age what I wanted to do. And I came here to this point. How did I come here? But it was so simple that it was like a confirmation. I was like, this is what I got to do. And in that moment, I it still didn't make sense. Even still, there's moments today where it still does not make sense. But I do believe that life is not happenstance. I don't believe that people's journeys, you know, different paths that they go, it's not random. That every little bit of experience in life, that those things eventually are going to intersect and be woven. You know, I think of a person's life as like you see individual situations where they might seem like a thread or a piece of yarn. And we don't know how these random bits of pieces of yarn are going to interconnect. But over a period of time, they're, they are. They're intersecting. If you take a step back, it's like this person is like their life is like a tapestry, right? That the things, the random bits and pieces and colors do not make any sense, but they are interwoven and connected. And then when you take a step back, 
wait, oh my goodness, there's that image, there's that picture, there's that piece, there's that art. So like I said, it seemed random back then, but I don't think that it is happenstance that I went through my journey as a creative and landed in the field of mental health. And I think a question that that brings up is, you know, as somebody who is creative, we talk a lot about how we define creativity and what that means. And um, there's another podcast that I used to listen to that was called The Creative Muscle. But, you know, they talked about how creativity as a word and as a concept often gets hijacked by people who are in the more traditional Mm -hmm. creative arts. And so for you, it's maybe not as obvious, but I would love to know, as somebody who's a singer, who's trained in music, where do you see crossover in Mm -hmm. terms of how you approached things like a music composition in a college class or, you know, coming in and writing harmonies or creating harmonies? to sing on one of my tracks. How does stuff like that relate to or not relate to the mindset and the approach that you take when you're developing your therapeutic practices as a mental health Mm -hmm. counselor? There's actually a lot of crossover. Being in therapy is a very creative process. There's a lot of different forms of therapy or therapy theories. Mm -hmm. Um, One very common one is narrative therapy. And so basically it's a concept of like, what is a person's story? Who are they? What character do they play in their story? What are the narrative or the themes in that story? How did life events paint or change that narrative? Then how do we go through in the processing of their being in therapy and healing through trauma or healing through events? Do then we rewrite that story or recreate different themes in our narrative, right? But even a simple, this is so simple, but like breath work and breathing, Mm. there's crossover with singing. Like I never would have thought, I never would have thought that being in choir and having our chamber choral choir director teaching us back in college, correct breathing techniques. And what do we have to do to breathe from our diaphragm, to have enough air to sustain these long notes? I am teaching people that every single day in therapy that Mm -hmm. as they're dysregulated, I'm like, you're not breathing. You're breathing from your lungs. You're not breathing for your diaphragm. You breathe from here, from your belly. And when you do that, you're actually sending enough oxygen to your brain. You're telling and communicating all these things, right? I never would have thought back at 20 years old that... I would be using that technique now every single day in a counseling session, but I do, right? That's so good. Yeah. I love that crossover. I also think listening is a big part of it, right? Because as somebody who, um, you know, more recently especially has done background vocals and a lot of harmonies Mm -hmm. and things like that, you constantly have to be listening to the person that you're singing with, right? right? So we have a story from, you know, fairly recently. Um, we hadn't sung together in like two years. Right. But we have this history of standing next to each other in choir three times a week and sometimes every day when we were on tour right. of really getting to hear each other's voices and learning the nuances mm-hmm. of each other's voices, right? So then we go through this period of time where we're not singing together and then I call you up and say, hey, I'm about to go into the studio to record. Do you want to come sing background harmonies on this one track? And of course you agreed and we got together to rehearse. And that blend was 
incredible. In fact, if you're listening to this, go check out the song Stained Class on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your music. And Helika is one of the vocalists on that track. And the blend is incredible. Not just what we did in the studio, but I remember that rehearsal Mm -hmm. after two plus years of not singing together. And we kind of both stopped and looked at each other and we're like, wait a minute. Like, it was so good. I know. I was like, wait a minute. You're like, what? And I'm like, I got it. Yeah. We got it. We got it. We did not lose it. (laughs) Right? It was like jumping on a bicycle. But I think the reason it worked is because you're just such a good listener Mm -hmm. in the music space. But also as a therapist, I think that's what makes you so successful and effective in the work that you do is... It's not about your ego. You know, I'm the, I'm the lead singer who's like, hey, right. <laughs> put me in the spotlight. Not, not at all. Like. And, and you're all about, you know, how can I support mm-hmm. and how can I help elevate right. and amplify, right. which is the, kind of the theme of this podcast. So I think there's so much crossover there, there with is. your work. There so, is. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you, you've talked early on about how you're a different person and mm-hmm. your life has changed a lot. And somehow our friendship has survived that. But yeah, we, you know, met as 18 year olds who had no idea how to navigate the world. We had not gone through some of the biggest traumas that we would face. You also in that process got married Mm -hmm. and did all these other things. And more, more recently in the last couple of years have entered into what I would call your biggest creative endeavor, which is being a mom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So how do you feel like your artistic tendencies, inclinations, experiences have shaped the way that you approach motherhood? Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. to us about that. Um, wow. I, I'm still like learning that. Yeah. I think the you know, interesting. I think that my my daughter is like just cut from the cloth like she's just she is equal parts me and equal parts her dad um is just this joy-filled rambunctious giggly loves to sing songs at volume 10 out of 10 (laughs) (laughs) and I would say with her I've just really enjoyed witnessing and seeing this little personality developed and just kind of being along the ride and just like enjoy it. So like, for example, if there's any parents out there, I don't know, maybe there are. She loves this individual by the name of Blippi. Oh, Blippi. And Blippi is basically a grown man that is a character that likes to sing songs about random things like educational things. So she loves blippy songs about vehicles. And every day she'll be like, excavator, garbage truck, garbage truck. Oh, my God. I love Fire it. Tuck. And then we'll put it, I'll put it on and she just starts singing and bouncing. And, you know, in her little toddler voice, you know, still gibberish, but enough that I can understand that she knows the song and she can carry a tune. So I'm like, wow, okay, already at two years old, you're doing these things. And I still don't know. Like, I think I look at her and I'm like, okay, is she going to be, is she going to be a singer? Is she going to be a musician? Is she going to be an artist? Is she going to be a dancer? Is she going to be an athlete? I don't know. I think that's kind of part of the like exciting part of like, I'm still getting to know her. And 
I want to be supportive and just allow her to explore and come to herself. Yeah. I never pictured myself being a mom. I knew one day I was going to be my mom, but I never like mentally like pictured what it would look like. Yeah. And it still blows my mind. I sometimes will look at my husband like, oh my God, I'm someone's mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're someone's dad. Like, who are we? And But then I look at my daughter and I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. And okay, you can sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at 10 out of 10 volume <laughs> at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. Like, it's all good. <laughs> she really is the cutest, though. I love her. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So we talked about legacy. I'm going to throw a question in that we didn't yeah. really talk about, but it kind of came to me as you were talking. What's the legacy you want to leave for her? You know, I want her... It goes back to the intentionality of names. So mm. when we named her, like, we were, like, so, like, intentional. And my hope for her, and this is part of her legacy... That she will be grounded in knowing who I, her identity is and what that means of just, like, who her core identity is of, like, who she is, her values, her belief systems, knowing who she is culturally, right? She's, you know, the, the new adventure that I'm going to navigate is navigating raising a bicultural, biracial child. You know, she is part Latina and she's part white. And what does that mean? And how then do we want to be intentional? My husband and I have had a lot of conversation about this. Like, how do we want to intentionally make sure that she knows about her Latino culture and roots? But I want her to be a person that can speak up Mm -hmm. and be able to say, yes, that's awesome. Like, way to go. And like to be an encourager and cheerleader, but then to be kind of a badass and be like, oh, hell no, like, this is not going to fly. This is not going to be okay. Like, what you're doing is wrong. And to not be afraid to speak up. And let me tell you what, she, I think she's already living up to that. Now, I know she is a toddler, so, but she has learned the power of the word no. And she likes to use it a lot, (laughs) which, yes, no is a very powerful word. And, And I'm hoping that, like, as she moves forward, that she won't lose sight to that, you know. I think that's the challenge of um, growing up, especially being women of color, is just like you have all these societal pressures and expectations um, of who you should be as a woman. But then you have the layer of like the complexity of being a person of color, a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And the society just really wants to stifle and push you down. And I don't want that for her. You know, and so I think that's my hope of the legacy that I leave for her is that. You know, I think of you and I, right? We're just one of many trailblazers that are still forging a path. And I'm hoping that the path that we pave, that she can one day run Mm. and just can go move forward and just be able to then carry on the things that we could only hope and wish and dream for um, generations like her to do in the future. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it. So good. Okay, so you do a lot of things in your life. You're a mom, you're a therapist, you're a wife, you're a musician and a singer, a friend, you know, somebody who's been involved in your church. You wear many, many, many hats. How do you practice self-care? Oh, the big one. Yeah. The big question, (laughs) the self-care question. That's a great question. You know, when people often think about self-care, they actually are thinking about things that are actually part of a routine that should be self-maintenance, right? So things like Mm. taking a shower or taking a bath, 
eating a balanced meal. Those are things that we should be doing, period, (laughs) just to sustain ourselves as human beings, right? So when I really think about self-care, two things come to mind. Am I doing the activity to sustain my baseline as a human being? Mm -hmm. Or am I doing things because I'm operating in a place where I am feeling the effects of starting to feel burnt out or feeling exhaustion? And what are those things that I'm doing to then bring me back to my baseline, Mm -hmm. right? So with self-care, it has changed depending on the season that I'm in. So historically, self-care had looked like participating in movement. There was a season where I was a dance fitness instructor. I remember that. I was like, I would all in. (laughs) And so I actually uh, found that to be element of self-care because I was in community with others Mm -hmm. through something, through movement and through fun, through dance, through physical exercise and sweat. There's something about sweating. I I had a a friend that used to say, oh, sweaty, that's so good. That's so yummy. And I'm like, ew. (laughs) But actually, sweating is really helpful because it is releasing a lot of just toxic stuff, right, right? inside your body. Um, And you're moving, in fact, in some forms of healing spaces and therapy, there is an incorporation of movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, there was a season where I was um, doing dance movement and exercise as a part of self-care. Always self-care incorporates some form of listening. So it could be listening to music, listening to musicians, artists uh, that inspire me, listening to speakers, podcasts, um, audiobooks. Who are some of your favorites? Brene Brown. Mm, that's a good so one. So good. She's so good. She's so good. There was a podcast that was just a short season. It was called Anything for Selena. So mm, good. I love that one. It was so good. I love that one because it did a beautiful blend of getting to know Selena the artist, but to get to know the tension of the Mexican-American experience yeah. and how monumental Selena was in connecting two cultures, the mm-hmm. Mexican culture and the Mexican-American culture, which was so good. So yeah. I would really encourage you guys to listen to that podcast if you're wanting to know more about the nuances of Mexican-Americans here in the United States. Mm. Yeah, those are, I would say, my top two like um, podcasts or things that I enjoy listening to. Yeah. Right now, I'm listening to an audiobook. Um, I'm actually doing it alongside with a client in therapy, but it is The Body Keeps Score. Mm. Which goes does a deep dive into the brain science of what happens to the body when you deal with trauma and then how uh, trauma is then stored in your body and the mm. way you do to heal. So, yeah. right, connection with movement yeah. and healing. So um, it's another really good one, but it is dense and heavy. I tried reading it in the past and I just could not read it, but listening to it has been a lot easier sure. for me. So. Uh, During the pandemic, and it's kind of carried on over, I found self-care was through food. Mm. You know, during the pandemic, we weren't able to gather with friends or families or go to restaurants. Oh, that was so hard. (laughs) So hard. I love food. I I do. So one of the things that I did for self-care was I started watching a lot of reels of Latinos making food. And so that's something just like historically. So growing up, 
you know, <laughs> I'm sure you experience this. Like when you go to a person of color's home, or it doesn't matter what the background is, when you ask for recipes, there's no recipes. <laughs> You've experienced this with my mom. I yes, yeah. <laughs> I have. I've experienced it with my mom. Right? Yeah. There is no recipes. We literally don't have any recipes. So it's just like you have the ingredients and you put a little bit of this and dash a little of that and a sprinkle of this and a whole heaping of that and you taste it until it tastes good or tastes right. <laughs> yeah. And well, and uniquely enough with uh, my family history with my mom, she has a lot of the cooking in our household. She taught herself how to cook. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think of like Latino um, households, you it's very like passed on. Well, that was not the case for my yeah. family. You know, so my mom learned on her own. She learned the dishes all on her own. So there are some things, very like staple things that we eat at home, but there's other Mexican dishes that I hadn't even heard of or tried mm. until the pandemic. And I had time on my hands. I was at home with a newborn baby and I was in lockdown, yeah. like legit in lockdown. So no one was coming over to my house. So when baby was napping, I was cooking mm. and I found that to be so healing for me to engage in the love act of preparing a meal for myself and preparing a meal for my family. Yeah. That was comforting. Yeah. That made me connected to home and made had me connected to my cultural roots. I love it. It was so great. I I was talking to some friends about that during that time, like that is what I did as an act of self-care as a woman of color. When I think specifically about people of color, I find for myself that self-care is being in community mm-hmm. with other people of color. Right. And so I've done that through friendships. You know, our friendship has been a form of act of self-care and Aww. being able, I know, I know, <laughs> so savvy, but it's cheesy true. I know, get a little cheesy, um, but it's very true, right? Yeah. Being connected with you as a woman of color and chatting about the highs and the lows, but also being in community with other people of color. Mm-hmm. Um I have communities um, that I connect with in and outside of the church and being able to have spaces where I can talk about the sad things, the things to lament of the grief and loss um, and or the hard things that as women of color, as people of color that we face every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, this was so good. Thank you so much for telling your story and joining me and being a part of this and getting so vulnerable and open. Where can people find you online? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I can be found on Instagram and my handle is at your Latina therapist. Um, Go on there, check things out. I do have a link tree that's in my bio. And so for folks that are interested in therapy, right? maybe wanting me to be their therapist all my contact information is there cool and speaking of that so we may have some listeners who are thinking to themselves wow i just heard this amazing therapist tell her story and talk about the importance of mental health and all of that and maybe we have a few folks who are considering therapy and have never really started that journey i mean we are both definitely hardcore advocates of therapy because we've both gone through therapy Mm -hmm. and it's helped us process our journeys a lot. And so where are some of the best places for our listeners to start if somebody's going, I think I should check out therapy, but I don't really know where to begin even searching because obviously finding the right therapist can be quite a journey. And I know for me, when I started that process, that was the hardest part. There's so much stuff out there 
where do you even begin right. to look? Well, and that's what's so cool is like there's so much stuff out there, right? Right. So that's a great question because you're right. People don't know where to go. So before mm-hmm. you go and start searching, which I'm going to drop a couple of great web directories that are specifically geared towards people of color. Um, there's a couple of, of things that you want to do initially at the beginning as you prepare to start your own therapy journey. Mm-hmm. One is if you have insurance, um, make sure that you are well informed about your mental health benefit. So you'll want to go ahead and either contact your insurance company or you're going to want to log into your membership portal and get all the details about what it entails. So you're going to want to know if there's any deductibles, if there's any co-payments, what that looks like, if there's a cap on how many sessions that you have per year. And what then the difference is if you are tied into having a provider that's in network with your insurance versus out of network. So trust me, trust me, this is going to be information that whomever you decide to seek counseling services, they're going to ask this information from you. So go ahead, be well informed first. The second thing is having an idea of what it is that you want out of therapy, right? So if there's a challenge that you want to like navigate or a goal that you have, have that in mind because um, that's going to inform you or at least help you in the decision-making process for when you find the therapist that's going to be the best fit for you, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of therapists out there. And when you're searching for therapists, you're going to see that there are some folks that are going to be either trained, certified, or their specialties are going to be in different areas, right? So as long as you know what it is that you need support in, As you're searching through the directories or filtering of what you're looking for, you'll be able to then narrow that search down, right? The other thing that I want people to know is that if you don't have insurance, please do not let that stop you from seeking out therapy. There are therapists that are willing to do a sliding fee scale Mm -hmm. or there are some... um, organizations, whether it's community mental health, that have grants and funding to help pay for services. So no one should ever not get connected to mental health services just because of finances. Mm -hmm. So please, please, please know that there are resources out there for you. So don't let that deter you. Um, Another thing that's good for folks to know is that you can ask to do a quick consult call or a meet and greet call. Um, Typically, therapists that are um, in private practice offer that. They Mm -hmm. usually offer a free 10 to 15 minute quick consultation call just to see what it is that you're looking for and to see if potentially if it's kind of like a meet and greet where see if you're a good match exactly yeah. see if you guys are both a good match if mm-hmm. um if this therapist is a good match for you and if you're a good match client for them so here are the resources don't worry we will make sure that we include this in our show notes but there are a ton of directories that you can look for the first one is called therapy den so it's a search engine where it's a large directory of mental health professionals. So it was started by a mental health professional in order to help clients be able to seek out therapists that are going to be affirming or specialized within their area. So this directory is really cool because um, you can search and filter by if you are, say, for example, a person of color, if you are a member of the LGBTQ plus community, it also has filters where you can find things like spiritual trauma, when I saw a director, I was like, what? I don't see directories that have this list as a concern or an issue or a specialty, which is really cool, right? Yeah. They just have a lot of really cool um, filters and search engines on their website. So I really like them a lot. 
Another great uh, resource is a website called Inclusive Therapists. So this is a directory that was geared towards and created to address the needs of Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And also the 2S LGBTQIA plus community. They also want to address and honor the full neurodiversity spectrum um, and advocate for the mental health needs um, for people also that um, are dealing with disabilities as well. So really, really cool um, search directory. So check that out. A personal favorite of mine is Latinx Therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a fantastic directory geared towards Latinx folks that provide therapy and or speaking engagement. So check out their website as well. They also have a podcast that is really great. And even just their Instagram account often provides a ton of content that's geared towards the Latinx community. So check those folks out. So this is just literally a scratching of the surface of a ton of therapy directories that are out there for folks that are seeking out counseling services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing and actually listing out some of those specifics, because I think, like I said, it's it can be really overwhelming to do a Google search and all this stuff comes up and you're like, I don't even know what this is about. Right. Where do I even start? Okay, so we're going to close this out, and we're going to do that by doing our final segment, which will hopefully become a reoccurring thing on this show. We're calling it The Final Five in Five. So you have five minutes to answer these final five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you timing me? I should time you. Okay, because you know I can go over. I can easily go over five minutes. See, this is going to practice my skill of being concise. Yeah, we're both very bad at that. (laughs) Okay. All right. So here we go. First question. What's your favorite comfort food? Mm, Any Asian food. I know that's like so broad. Uh, you gotta be more I know I gotta be more specific. Okay, I'll be more specific. Vietnamese food. I love Vietnamese food. Fresh spring rolls uh, with peanut sauce and a shit ton, excuse my language, a ton of sriracha sauce. I mean, to the point where I'll take a bite, pour sriracha sauce like directly onto the spring roll, take another bite. Oh, so good. <laughs> love, love, love. I love. Their vermicelli um, bowls mm. with marinated pork with a fresh, oh, with a fish sauce and lots of like citrusy lime. Oh, mm. like, I'm just thinking about it. Like my mouth is salivating. Yeah, we I might love. have to go get Vietnamese food after this. We might need to. <laughs> or, I mean, I did last night. I mean, this is how much I love. I love Asian food. Oh, so like last night I was on I went on a whole like rabbit trail of looking at Korean food TikToks and mm. learning how to make banchan um <laughs> like so good so I don't know what it is about the flavors I just I love Asian food yeah I know like I said I wish I could say one but like Vietnamese Korean food Chinese food like oh it's just so good yeah yeah good stuff and then what is one item that you cannot live without? Oh, this sounds so cliched, but my phone. I know that sounds so, I know, I know, I know. That's so <laughs> lame. That's such a lame answer. 
that outside. I of almost like, gave that answer. So it's I know, fine. <laughs> I know. But okay, the second thing is Yeti insulated cups. Mm. Oh my word! As a mom, game changer. Yeah, game. Ch- One of the things that I hate is I. Oh, my hot beverages getting cold too quickly. Yeah. Um. So I love my Yeti a thermos. My hot coffee stays hot for a long time. So nice. I cannot yeah. live without that. Uh, Yeti, you should sponsor our our podcast. Yes, Yeti. <laughs> okay. Yes. And then, what is currently inspiring your creativity? What are some things that you're reading or listening to or watching or some place maybe that has really been inspirational for you? Oh, that's a Big question. Um, right now I'm really loving Latinx TikTok. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it goes so so like uh my for you page is like blown up with a lot of first gen Latinx creators yeah. and content that just is giving me life and that um uh, they're just like little nuances where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. Like I really, really love that. Another thing that I'm really enjoying is just music. Okay, so right now I'm really loving The Weeknd's newest album. Okay. So good. If you guys haven't listened to it, go and check it out. I'm really loving that. Nice. Okay, this one is a little bit deeper. How do you define success? You know, success, kind of similar to what you said in your last episode, uh, it's not about the followers, the following, which is so hard. I'm just going to share. You've heard my struggle of like, like I created, I did this post and I only got X amount of likes. And right. What the heck? It's not that. I think that success is just impacting one. Hmm. I had an individual that uh, told me there was a post that I wrote on my Instagram account that then led them to seek out their own therapy, which was like, what? Like, wow. I, I thought like theoretically that would happen, but I, it, I didn't think it would happen so quickly. So I think success is the impact that your work has on others. And is it bringing you joy? Yeah. Good. Okay. We got just under 30 seconds. Pineapple on pizza. Yay or nay? Yay. 100% good. yay. So we don't good. don't have to break up as besties. No, <laughs> okay. no. Sweet and savory, delicious. Love it. All right. Thanks for joining me. You did that under five minutes. Oh, so congratulations. I didn't think I, didn't think I was going to be able to do it. You did it. <laughs> and that's going to wrap us up. All right. Well, thank you again, Angelica, for telling your story. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in. We are so excited to share this journey with you and are really grateful that you've chosen to tune in and actually listen to our show. Um, If you want to find other ways to get involved with us, the best way to do that is on our website, which is thetakebackpodcast.com. We really encourage you to sign up for our mailing list, which is where we send out information about new episodes and any other fun activities or things that we might have going on. And so, yeah, go ahead and sign up. And then, of course, you can follow us on our social media platforms. Right now, that's mostly just Instagram. And our handle is at the Take Back Podcast. And so you can give us a like and a follow over there. We always share projects that we're working on, things that are in progress um, as we 
get into interviewing other women. We'll be sharing posts about that and their stories so you can get to see the faces of the people who are on our show. And um, we would just love to have your support that way. And then, of course, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would consider rating um, and just giving us a review and letting Spotify and all those places know that you like the show and that it's working. And let us know what it is in your comments. What is it that you're liking? And that helps us have that feedback so that we can keep building this. So thanks again for being here. We're really excited to keep bringing you new content about amazing women of color, creatives and artists. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Want to be a creative revolutionary with us? Visit thetakebackpodcast.com to learn more.